all, gang. It's all right. Uh, choo choo. Oh, we have a note here from uh, a leading uh, astrologer. What is a Scorpio? Isn't it? A, isn't a Scorpio something that you get from an unclean bathroom? No, no, that's no. It's a Scorpio. Doesn't that sting you? It says a Scorpio's lucky flower is the Farkleberry. <laughs> Gee, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I have a note here. It says that the Long Island Marching Band Festival, which will be held at Hofstra University this Friday and Saturday, is going to be a big gas. And I can't... I miss all the good things in life. I'd love to see the Marching Band Festival. Tell you. What with the Scorpios, Lucky Flower being the Farkleberry, all this stuff. I, I don't know. You know, I, I found myself uh, today... I've, just uh, standing around, uh, singing here, you know, coming up the elevator, as I often do. Uh, I keep inventing different, different words for the Air Force song. You know, off we go into the wild blue yonder. That's a habit I picked up in the Army. We had 1,400 variations on that song, all of them fantastically insulting to the Air Force. And I was looking up at the sky today, and says, off we go into the... Damp blue, smogly, off we go, into the Jersey crud. Off we, of course, any, any uh, private pilot knows about flying through the Jersey crud. And, of course, Jersey blames it on us. Now, well, we, we send out a different kind of crud. That's, uh, Jersey sends out plain, ordinary, honest crud, you know, yellow clouds of noxious gas. Now, that's, uh, that's laced with occasional smells of burning rubber and dead toads, but that's, uh, that's honest. I mean, that's... That's honest crud. Now, our island, our little island, this tight little island, this land that we all love, this land presided over by John Lindsay and Gloria Steinem, this land that all of us are part of, the land of Bella Abzug and Barry Faba, this land, this tight little land, this uh, storied isle, uh, we pollute the atmosphere in a different way. I just read that over... 12,942 commercials are recorded in New York City in one two-week period alone. That's a different kind, right? Where can I get myself a nosegay of Farkleberries tonight, huh? I'm not a Scorpio. I'm sorry, it says right here. I didn't invent it. And also, the same astrologer says if you're not a Scorpio, you're lucky. Because they're generally losers all through their lives. By the way, uh, since uh, we're, it's too late for the Farkleberry season anyway, that was early in April, wasn't it? I'm sorry, I didn't invent the news. I just give it. Off we go into the miserable. No, no, I don't want to sing that because uh, you can get yourself into trouble. Every time I sing the Air Force song, I wind up getting in trouble. By the way, we'd like to salute London, please. Things are moving. Uh, for those of you who uh thinking out there, Herbert. Oh, God, he wants to get that machine going. <laughs> What are you so surly about tonight? You found that uh, that's a phony airspeed indicator in your airplane, huh? It's actually a Mickey Mouse watch with the hands off. Bring it up. <laughs> oh, I love it. I just want to hear all this. This is a tune to hum along with. Ba 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 
love to conduct this. Oh, my God, look at Shepard Whirling. It's a fantastic pirouette of total rhythm. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you, Lenny. That's it. For a kid from the Bronx, you've done all right. You're still fooling them. I'm sorry I'm boring. I'm bugging everybody in there. What's the matter? <laughs> well, I, I just, that's my London salute tonight. And uh, uh, we just received a note from the uh, Associated Press Wire. It says, uh, you know, they have a big automobile show there in London. And uh, it's usually the forerunner to the big show that happens here, you know. And uh, the big show in London, Associated Press. So maybe this is uh, straws in the wind of things to come. Automakers put total nudes on display along with their new cars at the London Motor Show on Tuesday. One British sports car firm draped its latest creations with nudes in performances every 10 minutes, and they had fantastic sellouts every time. Why well, didn't think many people in London were interested in them anymore? I don't mean sports cars. Oh, I see. I see there's other girl. I'm, I'm sorry. In similar vein, a touch-up paint manufacturer invited their viewers, you know, to come to the auto show, to come up and spray their nude models in innumerable shades of cellulose paint. <laughs> in between, auto enthusiasts could view nearly 500 cars. I mean, you know, in between all the rest of the stuff that was going on there. What with the celebration in Pittsburgh, the nudes have, I'll tell you, Really, the world is really getting great. That's <laughs> fantastic. That's the kind of auto show I like to go to, though. I mean, after all, uh, we're coming right out into the open and saying it. I have something here that I, I, I'd like to uh, lay on you here. The other day, uh, I heard, you know, people are always talking on the air. They're always saying, oh, you know, the trouble with America, everybody is so rude and you don't get service. Now, you've heard this a thousand times. Well, uh, that's because hardly anybody who says that has ever tried to get anything else done anyplace else you know well let me tell you I I, uh, I one time tried to get a battery in India have you ever tried to buy a battery in India well you know what Ulysses went through and didn't he go through a whole lot of stuff Circe's trial by fire dragons and all that I finally got the uh, battery after going to seven cities and riding ox carts floating on the Ganges in a dugout canoe and I finally got to this place where they had the batteries and I got the battery and I stuck it in it was dead I took it back to the guy and I said dead dead and he broke into frenzied Hindi and uh, amazing he could speak English before when I bought it yeah and he told me it was a dollar and a half which in Indian terms was like twelve thousand dollars so uh, I gave it to him and then when I came back me you know Hindi oh, he speaks Hindi only and it's very difficult to explain to a guy that you have a dry, you have a dead D battery. doesn't work. Dead, dead. But uh, so these things uh, come, you know, come, uh, kind of sneaks up on you in the nudes at the London car show. And we're going to have a lot of complaints at our car show if they don't come out with the nudes. Spray some cellulose on them. That's kind of fun. Uh, however, it is fun, Charlie. Yes, there he goes. He's got his thing, see? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Charlie, for heaven's sakes. He's our secret spy in the newsroom. If George Brown saw you coming in there giving us the bumps and grinds with the bazooms, Charlie, that's not the kind of guy that writes news for Lester Smith. Oh, I see. You don't write. Is that you don't write the news? You know, I see. Okay. Who, who, 
turn them off. He says, quick, bring on that John Gambling tape. <laughs> Get out of here, Charlie. Everybody loves you. <laughs> Everybody loves a spy. Get out in the cold where spies belong. It's cold outside, right? Or is it it's cold inside? What is it? Who is that man, Lemus? Something like that? The dark and the outside of the cold. But uh, nevertheless, I would like to uh, bring you a report for those of you who are uh, planning or are thinking of and, and uh, have thought of recently buying a car. Now, you don't mind if I bore you with that, do you, Herb? Of course not. You're in, a, in no position to buy a car. Uh, so <laughs> that's right. I know all about you. You're in trouble, friend. But for the rest of us, uh, for those of us that are walking around and we ain't tapioca, tap city, for those of us that, that got, uh, you know, got a lot of the ready, and, uh, well, you've heard the expression, haven't you? Tapioca? Right. That's you. I can see the raisins sticking out of your ears, and I know why. All right, Tap City. Anybody that buys an airplane is Tap City for years. Tell you, when he finds out it burns 12,000 gallons of gas an hour at cruise. Okay, here we go. Uh, here, here's a note from the Sunday Telegraph. Do you ever get a chance to read the English newspapers? Well, I, I love to read English newspapers because uh, there's a very different attitude in them than we have generally in ours. English uh, newspapers, for one thing, uh, have uh, columns that are extremely uh, outspoken <laughs> about uh, about things we would never, never mention. Like the, you take the New York Times; they do not have the you know they they have whole, whole reams of criticism, and yet does does the New York Times has it have a column of criticism of cars? I mean, criticism. They tell you what the new model is, you know, but I mean criticism like. Oh, my God, no, no, the door on the new Whoopi-Mobile, it hits you on the elbow. What a piece of junk they turned out this time with that Reynolds wrap hood. You know, no, no, you know, you never, the silly putty transmission, you'll never find that. Well, here's what they do in England. Uh, this is a, a, a piece about buying a car in England. You curious how it goes? Never bought a car? He says, uh, this is written by Richard Ensor, and it says, uh, it's a column about how, you know, how it is to buy a car in England today. And this is the most recent Sunday Telegraph. Just came in. He says, I chose six leading car showrooms as my sample, all situated in the Piccadilly, Barclay Square, Regent Street area. Now, that's right downtown. You know about that, right? Been many a movie made with Robert Taylor. Walking along Barclay Square. Van Johnson's always blind in that area. Remember him? He's always being blind there. And uh, there were a lot of sad movies uh, made with uh, uh, Paul uh, Omreed. He was sad in that area a lot of times with Merle Oberon. Yeah. Anyway, nevertheless, that's right in the center of London. He says, at Dagenham Motors. I like Dagenham Motors. In Regent Street, he walked in. See, he's just pretending like he's buying a car. Remember, this is a reporter. He says, <clears throat> I chose six of them. What sort of a reception does one get at the major company showrooms? He says, in spite of all the commercials, how do they actually treat you when you walk in? Now, you've seen commercials in America here. How, you know, this, it always shows this young guy walking in with a family type and this man very carefully explaining to him that the Dodge Swinger is really for him, you know, and how great everything is and how groovy. Well, how do you think it is in England? Right? And that reminds me, we have a car commercial. Hit it. <laughs> You know that this your Chrysler Plymouth friends. dealers in this area are America's number one Chrysler Plymouth dealer group. First in Chrysler Plymouth sales across the land. You've made us number one. 
And maybe it's because we never stop believing that what you want is a darn good car with a good dealer behind it. That's what we offer. Cars not only beautiful, but built to last. The kind of cars America wants. We follow them up with service because we want to do more for you. And our deals are our way of saying thanks. Because we never forget, you're number one with us. Chrysler Plymouth, coming through. Chrysler Plymouth, coming through. <laughs> Let's sing it out, gang. Come America's on. number one Chrysler Plymouth dealers. Your Chrysler Plymouth dealers of New York, New Jersey, and Fairfield County. Act now while the price freeze is still on. Yeah, I'm very embarrassed. Uh, this is WOR in New York, speaking of the freeze. And uh, I'm very embarrassed here. This is a commercial here. It says uh, I should read it. Slowly and romantically. Do you think I can pull that off, Herb? Do you have a little romantic music in there for me? On the 50 great music, 50 moments of turkeys there, the, any of them. I mean, humoresque, uh, Narcissus, Tchaikovsky, anything in there. Yeah, that, that cheap guitar music will do it. <laughs> oh, I love this type of career. Would you please there? It says, read slowly and romantically. And then the second paragraph, it says, louder and a little faster. And the third paragraph says, definite with hard sell. These are the instructions. All right, you want to hear me? There you are, at an intimate table graced by candlelight. The sounds of strolling musicians create a mellow mood as you enjoy a sumptuous dinner prepared in the continental style. <laughs> Love, Isabel. No, you are not in a little Parisian cafe but in the delightful Les Champs restaurant right in the heart of Manhattan on East 40th Street between Park and Madison. Uh, it's a, uh, you say it's, what? Not Les Champs, oh, Les Champs. You'll find not only authentic French dishes, but also an international cuisine of exotic meat and seafood entries, as well as hearty steaks and tender prime ribs, all at moderate prices. And if you are a sophisticated, an international sophisticated like I am, you will enjoy your dining at Les Chabs, the authentic, the authentic French restaurant, the continental restaurant with the strolling musicians, the international menu, and the free limousine service. Les Chabs, 25 East 40th Street, between Park and Madison. For reservations, call LE2-6566. LE2-65. Six six. Ask for Clarence. Oh, I love Issa Says at the end, it says with a slight French accent, say murky. I mean mercy. Right there, very good. Less champs. Wasn't he a middleweight fighter at one point? Yeah, the price fighter. They're all in the restaurant business. Oh, yes. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, fights, I'm going to be at Princeton again. This is the big one. This is the biggie. Yes, sir. The biggie, November 6th <laughs> at Princeton in Alexander Hall. And every year, this is a fiasco of major proportions. For those of you who attended the last, uh, how many years now, three or four years, you will know that it is an unforgettable show with Shepard in the center ring competing with the Hunchback of Notre Dame in the hall best suited in America for the sacrificial moment of getting rid of a virgin. Princeton University, November 6th, Alexander Hall. And by the way, this year, for the first time, due to uh, 
the rain that came down last time and a lot of people that were left out in the rain was <laughs> with no seats. We turned away a, a crowd last year in the rain. Were they mad? They started to burn down the administration building. But nevertheless, all seats are reserved this year. This is a, uh, a benefit we do for WPRB, which is the uh, college radio station, you know, so we get, get them a little more scratch-up so we can buy a lot more of all those bad rock records they play. This is WPRB, and uh, if you'd like to attend the show, it's November 6th at 8.30 p.m., and that's a Saturday night. Now, if you'd like to order tickets by mail, if you're out there in the boonies, send stamped, self-addressed envelope. Now, what that means, in case you don't understand that very complicated phrase, you write your name and address on an envelope with a stamp on it, right? That's your name and address. Dill Doc, don't write, <laughs> write your name and address on it. And a check or a money order for $3 for every seat you want. Like if you want to buy the whole house out, that'll be a lot of $3, right? But if you want to bring the whole crowd, $3 for every seat, payable to WPRB. Do not write it out payable to me, because I won't sign it. WPRB, Box 342, Princeton, New Jersey, 08540. That's the zip, 08540. They address again, WPRB, Box 342, Princeton, New Jersey. It's our big yearly benefit at Princeton. And by the way, if you're in the area, you can pick them up in town there at the Princeton University Store. And you want it to mess with stamp self-addressed envelopes. You want it to write your name down. They know who you are then. Princeton University Store. Oh, a lot of guys got to keep undercover these days. Princeton University Store, University Place, Princeton. No tickets available at the door. You'll be skunked if you don't get down there. Less chance we'll be taking the tickets at the door. Les is coming down with his wife, Esther Jane. Well, let's see now. Uh, <laughs> what's the matter? Now, I, I, I just, I just, uh, I'm sorry. I just, I was uh, thrown between the Farkleberries. And, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, being a Scorpio ain't easy. I'm not a Scorpio. No, no. Don't, don't, you can accuse me of a lot of things, but not that. Uh, I would, however... <laughs> Uh, I, how long has it been since you've tried to buy a car? To what? Oh, I thought you said since 1942. Two, I mean two like that. You mean two years you bought a car? Well, you know, I, I'm always fascinated with, with the difference between the, the way a commercial is on TV and the way it is in reality. Uh, like like on this one airplane uh, here, you, you know, if you if you were to believe the uh, the commercials on uh, TV for airlines, my God, a guy sh a guy should just put all his money into traveling on them airplanes. I mean, with all those beautiful checks looking out at you, you know, the ones fly me, I'm Myrtle, you know that kind of thing, and uh, oh yeah, and those fantastic lounges that look like the uh, you know look like the front end of the Roxy Theater and stuff like that with all yeah the chicks walking back and forth. I thought to myself, gee, you know. That's the way to go. Well, I do so much flying, and I'm still looking for that airplane. And I'm, I'm looking for those girls. There, there was one the other day. I'm serious. There was one the other day. I had to help up the gangplank, a stewardess. She was old enough to have been my mother's mother. And the granny, you know, I helped her up, and she, she turned around, and she said, Would you like a menu? And I said, Wait, we're not serving yet. You asked me for the ticket, granny. Oh, yes. Ticket, ticket, yes. Oh, yes, of course. We're ready to go, aren't we? And uh, I, I handed her my ticket, and of course she was having a little trouble because she had left her her little knit bag down in the in the in the uh, place there where we where stewardesses gathered, you know, to become glamorous. 
and she left her reading glasses there, so I read it to her. I said, see, it says right there, seat A44, right there. Well, I sat in the back there, and we took off. It was exciting. And, of course, to begin with, uh, he couldn't turn off the, you know, the PA system that plays the music. The music wouldn't stop for a while there. And then when it did, I heard him re-rolling it. Close like that. And everybody screamed. Three little ladies screamed. They thought, uh-oh, it's finally happening. The tail's falling off, see? Well, being a pilot, I leaned up. I said, no, never fear. I'm aboard. I'll take out my pilots. There, here it is. I'm ready. Don't worry. If these guys up in front have been fighting it out, I'll go up and I'll run this thing. And the lady sat down. She, he looks very reliable. And uh, we sat down for a minute there. And while we're going out to the Jersey crud, you know, all this crud, this yellow stuff was flying off the wings. And, and you could see where it had blistered the paint. You know, that's the worst part of smog. It blisters the paint. You know, the planes look so pretty in the commercials. Well, we finally got up at 46,000 feet or wherever we were, high up over the atmosphere of the Earth there, almost in orbit. They, uh, they started to bring us our meal. And Granny comes back there. She was serving in the first class department. I don't know how I got in first class, but there I was, see. And Granny comes wandering back. She says, will you have a, will you have a martini or a Manhattan with your meal? I said, well, uh, since it was only 8.20 in the morning, uh, you know, it's kind of scary there that she's coming back there wanting me to get drunk already. See, so I said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I'd like. Uh, <clears throat> a martini or a Manhattan. Well, it's a little early for martini. And I could see it wasn't, though, for her, actually, from what I could tell. So, uh, well, maybe the plane was rolling or something, because she was going sideways down the aisle. So I said to her, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll have. Uh, uh, do you have any, uh, bring me a Bloody Mary. Said, what did you say? I said, bring me a Bloody Mary. Uh, we don't have Bloody Marys. I said, oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I, what could I? I can't fight City Hall. I'm not going to have a Coke in the morning. See, I'm crying out loud. I'm, 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 listen, let's face it, I'm a barbarian, but I'm not a dedicated barbarian. So, no Cokes in the morning. So I said, all right, bring me whatever you got, Granny. <laughs> and uh, so she did. I'll be damned. It was a pink lady. And it arrives, that's a terrible drink. And uh, I sat there for a minute with it. And, and this is the way it actually went. So, uh,. <laughs> I toyed with this. I never saw a play where they serve pink ladies. See, so I said, what is this pink lady? She said, oh, this isn't the pink lady. The gentleman behind you has stomach trouble. Here I was drinking this guy's uh, Pepto-Bismol. You, 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 you know what Pepto-Bismol is like? I drank half his Pepto-Bismol with an olive in it. And uh, she said, the gentleman behind you, that's a... I thought she was giving me a bad pink lady, so she hands it back to the guy behind me who was retching on the floor by this time because they had reeled him into the plane, see. Oh, my God. They don't show this stuff on the commercials. Well, then she brought me... The first time I've seen... You know, I was very interested in this. How many times when you were a kid did you go to the, you know, like Woolworths, where they have the counter, the, the restaurant there, and, the, and the, you know, they have a counter in Woolworths, and out in front they have a, a plaster display of sodas? Have you ever seen those phony sodas and all that they put in the... You've never seen them? Oh, yes, you have. Of course you have, my dear. You've seen those big plaster hams and stuff like that, see? Well, have you ever seen that they have little plaster steaks and things? It's the first time I actually was served one. I was very, very, very interesting. I thought they were just for display. I got some little, uh, is the word papier-mâché? Or do you prefer uh, plaster of Paris, paper-mâché? Is that what you prefer? I had these paper-mâché eggs. Very interesting. 
and uh, I, the the fork wouldn't go in them. So I sat there and I I played with them and I poured the Pepto Bismol over them and messed around with it. You know, it gave me something to do. And Randy comes back and says, "Fasten your seatbelt. We're having a bit of turbulence." I'll say, I'll tell you, it was really exciting. And uh, up there, you know, 40,000 feet, they get what they call clear air turbulence, and that's nasty. You agree with that, Herb? You don't get up there much with your 150, do you? <laughs> I'll say you don't. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> if you're up there with that 150 of yours, Herb, at 40,000 feet, I'm going to tell you, even the FAA would congratulate you. They wouldn't call you down. They'd say, hey, you're really doing it, man. So, uh, nevertheless... It was a very exciting time, and I thought to myself as I'm sitting there, it, 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 if they really put the real thing the way the way it really is in the world, you know, the way things really are. Like I go, uh, I live down in the village now, and I go to the supermarket, and uh, you know, once in a while, and you know how they show supermarkets in commercials. Hey, listen, speaking of that, have you noticed that new sickness, squeezing John paper? Uh, that uh, have you seen that commercial where the guy can't stop squeezing the John paper? What is the psychological thing behind that? Are there any, uh, psycho... I have never yet in my life found myself irresistibly drawn to squeezing John paper in the, in, in the supermarket. But there's, it seems to be a current thing. Have you noticed that? You haven't seen that? What have you been doing lately, Herb? Well, what do you mean? The, the Maggie McNellis show is off. You mean yes, that's what you watch? Can't understand it. He still sees Milton Berle on his TV. Well, uh, nevertheless, you've got one of them old TV sets that has a rebound action and all that, the delay action in it, like our tape here. I see. You're still getting Milton Berle, the Wednesday night fights with Bill the bartender there, huh? Right. Who's going to win the World Series? You say the Yanks and the Cards are playing it out in your set? Well, the series has been over, even the, even ours this year. I see. You say that Red Grange is still playing football on your set? Boy, you've got a collector's item. Tell you that. You've got a TV set that gives you nothing but nostalgia. <laughs> and bad nostalgia. John Cameron Swayze still doing the news? <laughs> with uh, with President Truman? I see. Very good. Well, uh, when do you catch up to us? You see, a lot's happened. It's been exciting since them days. Excuse me, I'm using the Jersey vernacular here. However, uh, uh, I, I go to the supermarket the other day, and... Uh, I'll just tell you the whole sickening story, you know. You know, supermarkets look so beautiful on TV. I mean, they're shiny and sparkly, and, and that nice supermarket man is standing in the back there squeezing these packages of John paper and saying, now, don't squeeze the John paper. And he's caught doing it himself. Terrible thing. And uh, how about those guys that are always seen collaring ladies out of uh, supermarkets? You know, the, the Derwood Kirby types? Uh, and they're always collaring ladies to say, uh, lady, would you let me trade uh, 17,000 carloads of X-brand detergent for your box of Tide? Oh, no, no, no. No, you don't. I love my Tide. Well, uh, I, I don't know. That doesn't happen in front of my my supermarket. Uh, more than that, there's three bums that hang around that they keep trying to panhandle you from you when you come out. But in my supermarket, they get this frozen food counter. You know, it's a big locker. Now, uh, I'm I'm very curious about this. It has not been defrosted. I would say roughly since oh maybe the third or fourth millennia of the Renaissance period, and it's got this thick white ice in the bottom of it, and in the ice are frozen thousands of cigar butts, and cigarette butts, and pieces of chewing gum. In my you know in my in my uh, 
my supermarket, see, and it's all frozen in there like a, like like the kind of things that you always saw in old, bad, Class B science fiction movies, the way the mammoths got frozen in the ice. Well, there's cigar butts and old shoes, tennis uh, balls and stuff, frozen in the ice at the bottom of this uh, frozen food locker. Well, I, you know, I look down in there, and up on top, you know, it's, it's, it's getting so thick with ice now, they can only have three or four... Uh, you know, three or four Sara Lee cakes or something on the top of it that just floats on the top. So I drift on past that. You, you, you know this type of supermarket. If you live in New York, you know this type. So the other day, see, I'm wandering around there, and I'm in the uh, the the canned uh, the canned anchovies department. Say, well, uh, there's a canned anchovies there, and I look at the anchovies, and I thought I saw something moving. And uh, I decided I better not look too close because anchovies can attract almost anything. See, so I moved on down, and uh, now I'm uh, <laughs> I'm in the the canned food department. I had all these canned peas and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I reach over and I pull out pull out a can of uh, peas with pearl onions. That's kind of elegant. See, canned peas with pearl onions. So I pull out the canned peas with pearl onions, and by God, there he was. It was it was my friend a cockroach. Who was there? He's forever. See, and he looked out at me, and I, you know, I, I didn't have the heart to put the can back, you know, and because he, he was looking uh, he was looking so beseechingly at me, like don't tip the gaff, you know, don't tell him I'm here. So I said, go on, hurry up! Here comes a clerk. Get away! I won't do nothing, but here comes a clerk. And the the cockroach, uh, see, I cockroaches automatically like me. They follow me wherever I go. And he comes out with his little feelers going. I guess he thought I wanted to talk or something. And sure enough, the clerk took one look at the cockroaches. And says, oh, cockroaches! I didn't know we had those. See, it's in the village, and we get all kinds of clerks. So he ran screaming to the front. It was kind of sad too, because one of his silver shoes fell off. He had these little silver shoes, and and uh, anyway, it was an exciting afternoon at my my uh, supermarket. I thought you, Betty Furness, would like to know that. What is her name? That other one that's uh, running the... Maybe Nader would like to know that, right? He's protecting me, right? Yeah, hi. How are you, Ralph? Still scaring him, huh? Still fooling him, right, Ralph? That's it. You hang in there. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, <laughs> it's not only here, though, that it happens. Are you curious about England? We finally got around to that, eh? Hi, George. This, this is a curious show tonight. Have you noticed that? Odd feeling in the air about it. Imminent disaster, right? Hovering? Sword of Democles? Or is it Demosthenes? Yes, it's the Sword of Demosthenes that's uh, hanging high here. Well, look, I, I have nothing against swords. I mean, after all, I'm, a lot of people carry them. Oh, sure, you see them down the village a lot of times. There's, there's one guy in the village now who comes out in full, full, full medieval regalia. Have you seen that guy? Oh, sure you have. He's got the curly shoes up the front. He has. He's got curly shoes that go right up in the front, you know, with a little bell on the front. And he walks up and down Greenwich, in front of that fruit stand, fittingly enough. And uh, he's got this little hat with the two little things with the bells on it. Yeah, he's a, he's playing, a, he's a playing, a, what is it, the guy that runs around the king and hollers and, and makes tweeting noises and has this little stick with the bird on it. Oh, excuse me, we're getting our, from the medieval and the renaissance uh, research department. Uh, yes, madam. Oh, I see. The little guy that runs on the king is called a herb gardener. 
Oh, oh that's funny. <laughs> yes, indeed. He grows parsley and things. I see. All right. Uh, I... <laughs> oh, that's bad. I thought you hated puns. I suppose it's only uh, hot cross puns you hate, right? <laughs> well, all right. You start this thing and it gets, you know, goes downhill quick. Uh, no, I'm not going to do anything about it. No, I'm not. You're insulting me. All right, it says it's hard work buying a car in England. I'm, if you you got to coax me. Come on, somebody call up and say, go on, Chef, tell us. What? It's too late for what? It's too late for all of us, honey. It's been too late for years. What? Oh, you want me to read this? You really want to know what, what it's like to buy a car in England? Do you, Herb? <laughs> yeah, you sure look like you do. <laughs> Well, it's funny. It's almost as funny as buying a car here. You know, I'll tell you one thing about cars. Uh, one of the one of the unhappy things about owning a car is keeping it running. And uh, yes, you know, cars a great concept, but a reality it can be like uh, you know terrible. It's like a ward on your back sometimes. And uh, the last time I tried to get a car repaired here in New York, there was a line of cars that came out of the garage. You know, this is the dealer, see? Came out of the garage, the line, and it went all the way halfway around the block. And this is to get your car fixed. Well, I slowly inched up. I sat at the end of the line with my car. Of course, it was steaming and overheating. There was a fire that kept breaking out in the different engine. That's why I was there, see? And uh, it was slowly, uh, slowly dissolving, and it was knocking, and oil was squeezing out of the... Out of the gate, right on the right on the dashboard, and the gauge was squirting out of my knee and all that. So, you know, it was really imminent crash. So uh, we're rolling slowly forward, inch by inch, cars. Finally, I get three cars from the garage. Finally, after two hours of waiting, the guy comes out and puts a sign up. Says, "Sorry, all full." I had waited for four and a half hours in front of a Kinney parking lot. You know, they just took the sign down and moved out. My dealer left, left town in a in a flurry of hubcaps, and he was gone. Opened it up in New Hampshire now, and he's, he's split. But the, at Dagenham Motors, for example, in Regent Street, the guy walks in. He says they should be selling Fords in Dagenham Motors. Now, that's the English Ford, of course. He says, but the would-be Capri buyer is hardly pounced upon at the door. And I was left wandering around the showroom for 15 minutes before queuing up to receive, between telephone calls, some very grudging attention from the salesman. Yeah, I went into a restaurant today, and the chick there, at the, there was nobody else in the restaurant. You know, I, was, I, I went in with Lee, see, and uh, there was nobody else sitting in the restaurant. A whole big restaurant, empty, see. 5,000 girls waiting there with their pads to take down the menu, and the lady at the front says, one moment, I will seat you. There were 12,000 empty tables, I will seat you. Then the phone rang. She was on the phone for half an hour. You know, my stomach was growling. It started to growl obscenities. And uh, finally, you know, I finally made... Uh, whenever I, whenever I'm, I'm trapped in a scene like that, I finally make this kind of noise. This is always good. You go, beep, beep. Like you're tooting the horn, see? Beep, beep. Beep. Beep, beep. Like you want to pass somebody. Go ahead. Try that. It really works. Beep, beep. Oh, they get bugged. She put down the phone. She says, will you stop doing that? I can't hear them. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Aouga! Aouga! Well, she finally got the 
message and kicked me out. Threw me right out in the street. Never did get anything to eat. They should get out of here, will you? So, you know, that's the place. They also have TV commercials. I mean, that's the same place, I want to tell you. Anyway, he says, uh, the, the would-be Capri buyer is hardly pounced upon at the door. I was left wandering around the showroom for 15 minutes before queuing up in line with two other victims to receive grudgingly between telephone calls some attention from the salesman. Quiet and well-spoken, he suggested that a 1600 Capri rather than a 1300 GT, which I'd ask about, would be more in my line. And we quote, he says, the uh, 1300 GT is rather expensive for what it represents. The salesman opined with scorn dripping. Prices were a little difficult to ascertain for the 1300 GT. It had been left off their price list. The buyer is certainly not harried in this store. He may even feel a little unwanted. Nor is the competition knocked. Uh, the suspension on the Capri is nothing nearly as sophisticated as that on the Mini 1275 GT, added my mentor. In another burst of candor, the service was pleasant, albeit uninspiring. I left. He said it would have taken an even more determined buyer to have chosen a Morris from Stuart Morris's house in Barclay Square. No. Definitely. They were sorry, but I could not test drive a Marina 1800 until I was 99% certain that I would buy one. No test drives, please. Parking in Barclay Square was difficult, so it would mean bringing a test car in from the outskirts of London. No. Nor would they even make a vague offer price to exchange my present car until the new car I was to order had been actually delivered. These circumstances make estimating the car you can afford extremely difficult. <laughs> Just you think you get the run around here. Listen to this, friend. The salesman, the salesman was less than helpful in pointing out that the undoubted attractions of the car, having opened the locked door so that the driving position could be tested in the car in the showroom, he returned abruptly to his desk without a comment. Uh, <clears throat> can I uh, get in it? I asked timidly. Yes, sure, he answered suspiciously. I tried the handle, but it wouldn't budge. I couldn't move it. <clears throat> is it is it open? Is it unlocked? I asked. He finally said, Yes, stupid, over his shoulder. Finally, I had to say, uh, Would you mind opening it before I damage it? I feel like I'm going to pull a handle off. He came over, took a key out of his pocket, and unlocked it. I got in. Well, he returned to his desk and the copy of the magazine he was reading with a very, very spectacular center fold-out. Definitely no sale at this one. <laughs> There's an ace English salesman. Confidence in my purchasing power was, however, restored at the Henley showroom, also in Barclay Square. All the glossiest showrooms congregate there. The salesman thought a left-hand drive GTS, about 300 pounds off list price, or even a second-hand TR6 was more up my street than the 1500 I inquired about. He totally discouraged me from the original car of my choice. This was flattering. He says, move up. You deserve a better car. And his broad, sunny countenance, which had thrust itself upon me as I entered, was at least encouraging. Eventually, he was persuaded to discuss the 1500, although, as he pointed out, he was, quote, only down for the day. I really don't know anything about it, actually. I'm just subbing here for the day. His knowledge of all the Triumph cars stemmed from the fact that once, seven years ago, he had owned the Vitessa. He since has sold it. 
Unfortunately, the 1500 had obviously other admirers in the car on the showroom floor. The cigarette lighter had been stolen. Uh, it says it may have been a technical problem. He said, however, several other items had disappeared, including a door handle. He said he would knock something off the price and then went back and began to talk to his friend and no longer came to talk to me. <laughs> Next door at Jack Barclay, the salesmen were much smoother, more competent, charming, but less entertaining. The customer is shown politely to a seat where the suave Etonian salesman, assessing his motoring needs, and finds from the Fiat range, which they sell, the perfect answer. The competitors are summarily dismissed as being incompetent. Uh, yes, the Renault is a good car, but it does have that rather ridiculous sideways swishing roll. Uh, the Triumph, well, nice finish, but uh, ridiculously underpowered. It was refreshing to find a man who knew something about the alternative choices, and all he said was, as I left, uh, come have a spin any time. The late Jack, Jack Barclay, who owns the showroom, made his pile selling Rolls Royces. Although the firm has now stooped to fiats, the impeccable good manners remain. I was nearly persuaded in this storm. They were friendly at Warwick Wright Motors in Piccadilly, which sells Chrysler's. They told me there was only a seven-week delivery wait. And uh, he was nice, the salesman, but not knowledgeable. And he said the following, the uh, GT has twin, uh, uh, the word carburetor had temporarily slipped his mind. He looked a little embarrassed, and I realized that I'd better not pursue it, since he obviously didn't even know that the car had carburetors. So I left. The Maxi was still being washed at the Kenning Car Mart showroom. They refused to discuss it entirely until it was through washing. I left and went down the street and had a kidney pie. <laughs> So on and on and on. And uh, so that ends tonight's salute to the Farkleberry, which is making a wonderful comeback in northern New Jersey in the section around Morristown, especially on the east side. And uh, to all of you Scorpios listening, well, tough luck. Maybe in your next incarnation you may be a Leo or a Piskies or something equally exciting. Bring it up there, please, if you will. Well, don't you know what that is? That's a fish. That's a uh, Hawaiian for fish. Mahi Mahi. Aloha, friends. It's been pleasant being with you these few idle moments as we all disappear into the fading darkness. We are discussing as we leave the strange and ineluctable disappearance of Hugh Downs, who probably will shortly join Judge Crater and Milton Burrell. I said silver shoes. Incidentally, portions of this program will appear on the Blue Book exam. I hope you took notes. Did you sit out there with your... This is WOR New York. Next, Lester Smith and the News. The news in detail on the hour from the WOR Newsroom, Lester Smith reporting. This late story, police are estimating up to 15 persons killed tonight 
when a fire tore through a small nursing home.